0: Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio
3: 1120 KMOX. All right, welcome in. Pencils down, ladies and gentlemen. Pencils down. <laughs> Turn in your Amazon homework.
1: It's come and it's gone. The big deadline for the Amazon second headquarters. I think we can only get one more show out of this topic.
3: <laughs> I think our audience might appreciate it, but we are. I have to tell you, we are talking about Amazon HQ2 one more time today because. Homework was turned in on Thursday. Uh, the proposals are there. Now
1: let's see what how it all shakes out. You know, people who wouldn't pay attention to a company that's looking for a new headquarters, that's kind of wonkish, you know? But I the com- way that Amazon has captured people's imagination and the way that St. Louis, we're going to talk about the uh, social media reaction to this. It's been huge in St. Louis, more so than anywhere else in the country.
3: You know, let's go back like a decade and just to think— If we would have gotten all lathered up for this company that sells used books
0: online.
1: (laughs) Please come to our city. Now we're imagining flocks of drones out the window and stuff like that. And maybe a Hyperloop uh, here and there. Perhaps. Perhaps. So we'll talk about uh, the HQ2 process. We'll check in with Aaron Perlett for some expertise. We'll go to Seattle and get the view from there. And a look at what all these other cities are doing. The big dollars they're offering up. And what Amazon has done to Seattle. What life is like there after this huge company turns it into their town. And then we'll talk with St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger, try to get some details on the local bid.
3: So stick around. We'll talk
1: HQ2, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen next. Michael Calhoun, Travis Sheridan from the Venture Cafe Global Institute. It's Nothing Impossible on KMOX.
2: Now, back to Nothing Impossible on
1: KMOX. Welcome back. Michael Calhoun, Travis Sheridan with you, and... It's in. It's submitted. It's Home, done. Homework, Signed,
3: sealed, delivered. Homework has been turned in. Now it's just being graded by Professor Bezos.
1: <laughs> by the way, did you see the video of him that they he posted on Twitter the day on on Thursday, the uh, HQ two day? I didn't. What did it- on top of the wind turbine? No. All right, okay. I'll show you that during the next commercial break. will <laughs> <you'll, laughs> this guy. This guy's the guy making the decision. You got to see this video right now. We got to talk to this guy, Aaron Perlett of Elasticity, Aaron. One of the brains behind St. Louis's bid for HQ2. Thank you for joining us, Aaron.
2: Hey, thank you, but let's uh, let's go easy on the brain, brain talk as it relates to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Aaron, what was
3: uh, what was this process like? And uh, honestly, what are our odds?
2: So, it was a pretty fascinating process, just because you know, Sheila Sweeney, who's leading the entire effort for the region on behalf of the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership. Pulled together a an enormous team. There was a lot of a lot of different parties, individuals, companies that were playing some semblance of a role, um, and you know, all trying to really row in the same direction, the same speed, in the same voice. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was interesting. There was other marketing agencies like uh, Rogers Townsend and Mercury Films and Cool Fire. There was entities like Clayco and HOK and uh, Express Scripts. So a lot of different people involved, Sheila kind of driving the train, and uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting process and just nice to see everybody pulling together.
1: And Aaron, with some of those firms, HOK, one of the world's premier architecture firms, Clayco and Bob, Bob Clark, they've done Amazon projects in the past, I believe, and they're in cities across the country. They didn't have to help the St. Louis bid, necessarily. They would have fit with any city in the country, but they chose to put their effort and their heft behind St. Louis.
2: They really did, and you know, uh, even though Clayco's headquarters technically is not here anymore, they they were they did choose to um, to really put their chips in our basket, which is great. Uh, HOK's headquarters is here, so it, you know, like I said, there's a lot of parties that really kind of went to bat for this region. A lot of individuals. Uh, I know, Mike Michael, you were there when when Joe Buck came out to make his pitch for this, and uh, you know, a lot of people really just working hard and, um, and trying to see if we can make this happen.
3: All right. So we're uh, a lot of us are each of us here are probably pretty far removed from our college days, but I'm going to I'm going to make an analogy that we might be able to remember. We probably all wrote that term paper for one class. And then like two semesters later, you get another assignment. You sit. You think to yourself. I might be able to pull out that old term paper and repurpose it. Is there is this exercise that, that the city went through and the, or the region went through not just for Amazon HQ2, but is this something that can be repurposed? Can we use this sort of these materials, this this pitch deck, uh, this language, this this
1: brand for future projects? By the way, I tried that with Mr. McCarthy in high school. Didn't he work. did not appreciate <laughs> it. No, go ahead, Aaron.
2: <laughs> so uh, I, I cannot speak with any authority on that, but <laughs> what I would what I would say though is I saw there's a lot of material that's being used for this that simply speaks very well for the region and uh, is very evergreen. So Travis, to your point, I, I, I certainly think there is a lot of stuff that can be used because we're recruiting companies, whether it's the chamber or whether it's the uh, the partnership uh, or at other entities are recruiting companies here all the time and. I think it was actually a really valuable exercise in in pulling together a compendium of a lot of information and a lot of content that represents the region well and helps tell our narrative in a really effective
1: way. I'm looking at a Reuters article. Aaron Perlett from Elasticity is with us on Nothing Impossible. And this uh, article has a paragraph that says, St. Louis, Missouri received the most Twitter mentions related to HQ2 over the last two weeks, more than... Thirteen hundred, according to social media monitoring company Brandwatch, Boston and then Chicago were next. Wow.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, a long time ago, many moons ago, Travis worked in in <laughs> the marketing and PR field, so he will appreciate this. It is, it's really easy to go talk about how you can justify your existence, but it's really <laughs> hard to kind of demonstrate where the rubber meets the road that the activities you're doing are making an impact. And our role in this was really to elevate the volume of our story on social media. And so to see that, it was just really rewarding to see a third party essentially unabated come in and say that the stuff we had been leading has been effective and and the volume has been tremendous so that's it was really really nice to see that and made made i know our entire team that's been working real hard on this for about a month now feel fantastic
1: well that shows at a time when cities like san antonio said we're just not going to bid and little rock decided they were going to spend a whole bunch of money in the washington post to say we're not going to (laughs) bid um st louis has a groundswell of support social media implies People across the community are are uh, are tweeting these kinds of of things. I know I've seen whether it's videos from Venture Cafe that were taped there, or people just using uh, the hashtag. Uh, what does that say about the support that Amazon would receive in St. Louis? And also, uh, talk about the hashtag STL Hustle, and is that potentially a uh, broader branding opportunity for St. Louis?
2: Yeah, it's well. It, it, there's been such a, a huge effort to, to do this. Um, and then specifically on that branding, that's a great question. Uh, that was developed by Rogers Townsend and, um, it really, what it was meant to kind of, I think help bring to the surface is that, you know, we're a, we're a hardworking town. I mean, this is not, um, a glitz and glamor town, like a Miami or Los Angeles. And, um, and that, that, you know, we hustle here, we work hard, uh, you know, we all put in a hard day's work and it was meant to be kind of represent. Representative of kind of that that Midwest uh, working values. So uh, it, I mean, it's a great question, Michael. I, mean, I think it's probably something that could be repurposed. Getting back to you know Travis's question earlier about being evergreen and
1: repurposed. Aaron, what do you know about this uh, this third way that's being proposed by the state? Relies on hyperloop and futuristic transportation technologies, and it combines the St. Louis and Kansas City bids to a certain extent, but it's not necessarily. It's not coming from St. Louis or Kansas City. It's coming from the state.
2: Correct. Yeah, we were actually, not only were we working on the regional efforts, but we were actually brought in uh, by the state to work on that endeavor as well. And um, it's a really interesting idea in that, uh, you know, through essentially what amounts to light rail, you could be from one end of the state to the other in 30 minutes and create one contiguous innovation corridor between Kansas City and St. Louis with, you know, a great university town in between. Um, so certainly it's fascinating. And I, I, I heard, and I have no verification of this, but that Amazon was surprisingly intrigued by that notion. So it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating. I think the fact that it takes in the, the idea of light rail and, you know, connecting an entire region within the heartland in a state that touches more states than any other, um, I'm sure caught their eye.
1: What what do you think the uh, so this hyperloop is like an enclosed tube and they seal you into a pod and shoot you across the state at like 650 miles per hour? What do you what do you think the g forces are on that and how do you think your hair would look at the end of that that ride?
2: So I think if I think anyone who knows me knows that I have remarkable hair. So that's <laughs> a, that's, that's an important question, Michael. Um, you know what it reminds me of is the remake of Total Recall um, when there was actually With something like that. that Exactly, that went through the core oh. of the Earth uh, from, I think, Africa to to uh, to London. Uh, it reminds me a lot of that. I guess the only difference would be this would be on the surface of the planet as opposed to going through the planet. But, uh, I, you know, I only played a scientist on television for three seasons on St. Elsewhere, so I don't know what the <laughs> G-force would be. But uh, I would hope that it would take into account the physics needed to maintain proper hair.
1: <laughs> One sentence. What is St. Louis's bid? What makes St. Louis stand out?
2: It gets back to kind of the the diversity of what we offer, checking all those boxes and, and really having a complete package to offer that really meets exactly what they're looking for.
1: Aaron, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you guys. I appreciate it.
1: Coming up next, we'll find out what the effect of Amazon choosing your town might be. We'll go to Seattle and talk with Bloomberg's Karen Weiss. Up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Michael Calhoun, Travis Sheridan of the Venture Cafe Global Institute on KMOX. This is Nothing Impossible. And let's find out uh, what's going on in Seattle as this Amazon fever takes over the rest of the country. Karen Wiese from Bloomberg joins us again from the home of Amazon, the Emerald City. Thank you for joining us.
4: Sure. Yeah.
3: So, Karen, can you... uh we always talk about. Uh, I think the one thing people think about with Seattle is the weather, and so we're actually going to talk about everything except for the weather with you. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but with Amazon coming to ta- with Amazon, you know, growing up in Seattle, how has that changed the landscape of Seattle?
4: Yes, it's very. Amazon basically decided to to set up their headquarters in the core of downtown, like at the core of the city, as opposed to a more suburban style campus. So Microsoft grew up on the east side of the region. Um, in uh, kirkland and the redmond area but uh, uh when amazon started growing it started in the city and so that totally transformed um the an area just north of downtown seattle called south lake union it was an area that had kind of low-rise buildings a lot of like car repair stores and things like that very underutilized um, and that's where they started building and building and building. And I'm staring out my window now, and I just, I literally can't count the cranes. There are so many. It's just been a huge boom in the city. It's created um, a ton of wealth in the city. It's, it's also created a, what's I believe the fastest growing U.S. city now. Um, so, so many people moving here, and. Um, And the city kind of racing to accommodate it. So, and that goes in terms of transportation infrastructure, traffic, and then definitely in terms of housing. Uh, Seattle's land—you know—we have water on many sides and mountains, and so there's only so many places to build. Um, And so, it means making a lot more density within the city, and that's controversial because it means that now you're changing the kind of nature or character of different parts of the city, and people are uh, don't always love that. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of growing pains. Uh,
3: you mentioned all the things that have, uh, grown up around Amazon. What about the university system or the, the, the educational system in general? I mean, Amazon needs talent. Uh, they need des- yes. desperately need talent. And yes, people are going to be imported in, but what about growing its own crop of, uh, Smarties? Yeah.
4: So, I mean, University of Washington has been a huge, uh, force for Amazon and vice versa. Uh, Amazon has worked to lure big name professors here and has helped um, fund the program here. And it's definitely, I think in their request for proposals for other cities, they ask for places to have a strong university system. And I think they, that really, as I talk to folks that that doesn't mean just having universities. It means having very strong top tier research institutions Um, because this, this kind of work is, highly specified at this, you know, high, very high level work that they're doing very advanced work with machine learning and AI and robotics and all these kind of very advanced um, fields. So um, the other thing that has happened is as Amazon has grown in the city, it's created this critical mass of talent that now other large tech companies are coming to try to um, connect into. So Facebook, Google, Apple, um, all these other large tech firms now have very significant satellite presences here. I I, I believe this is the largest engineering outpost outside of Silicon Valley for Facebook. Mm. Um, it's one of the largest, if not the largest, for for Google, at least in the US. So, there, I mean, thousands of jobs that are related to it. In particular, um, you see a lot, because Amazon's uh, cloud business is so strong here, this has now become kind of the... Cloud computing capital um, around basically, so all the other companies that are looking to build cloud divisions are are really hot, or or startups related to cloud are are thinking about or uh, building their networks up here.
1: the The folks who work for Amazon, do many of them, uh, the bulk of them, are they Seattle natives? Uh, Is Amazon hiring from the local workforce, or is a significant? amount of it migration in people coming in from other cities and and then is there a a spread effect where you know there are more people with cars so there need to be more mechanics more places for people to eat lunch um i mean is this really lifting seattle and giving a lot of people more opportunity who live there uh, than they would have had without the company
4: yeah i mean in in general the city has in ridiculously low unemployment, so I think the answer to it, is it locals or folks out of town? It's both. Um, there is because folks have been moving here since well, Boeing building engineering skills initially here, and then Microsoft really setting up a huge force here. Folks, kind of engineering talent and engineering minds have been moving here for decades now, um, and so I, there, they have both hired. Folks who either grew up in Washington or moved here decades ago, but then also certainly recruiting people um, from the Bay Area, from Texas, from the Midwest, from New York, everyone kind of moving here. And for a while it had this appeal as a kind of a lower cost of living, at least compared to the Bay Area or New York, where you could You know, raise your family and and a a place where you could grow into. But that is one of the challenges. The city has had this economic boom. There are tons of new restaurants opening and. Um, different kinds of venues and uh, craft fairs and all of the kind of uh, charming things that cities can do, but it is very expensive to live here, particularly for housing costs. And so that is one of the biggest struggles I think that the city is facing is the lack of affordable housing. So while there has been a boom in jobs, um, a big challenge has been that it's still not enough at the lower end to afford living in the city. There's been um, neighborhoods that have gone through incredibly rapid gentrification uh, because there's just such a flood of people looking to move here to move here now and a big challenge is also this a lot of the city is zoned for single-family residences and we just need more places to put people and so there's a lot of tension over where should we do that and and um, a lot of the kind of easier places to build have been built on now and so it's getting into much more kind of what neighborhoods are going to essentially change the city i should note also has a high minimum wage relative to the national average so uh, seattle passed a 15 dollars minimum wage it's not quite up at 15 yet but it's getting close um so there is definitely a, a um a a boost that the lower end of the economy is seeing, but that it's still even at 15, uh, it's not enough for for what rents are in the city.
3: Karen, I I don't know what the final count is going to be on the total number of proposals submitted, um, and you laid out both the you know the good, the bad, and the ugly of what it means to have seattle or uh have amazon growing up in your city or your city growing around amazon uh with the proposals that have been submitted or the, th- the things that you've seen uh, as you've been doing your uh your research uh what stood out to you have any any cities uh, really struck your fancy
4: yeah it's interesting some have been really kind of workman-like proposals if that makes sense you know we have the brains that you need and some have had more of a um emotional pull if you will i would say like the the detroit and pittsburgh proposals were very interesting and saying "Help! we are this amazing cities that are coming back from trouble and building new economies here and come be part of that and come help shape that but it wasn't just like we are the perfect fit for you also they had kind of a um an energy to them that that is interesting and it'll be very interesting if that's something that appeals to Amazon, a place where they could really help shape the future and, and really build and build with them. Um, a lot of the details of the actual proposals have not been public. Uh, Amazon has signed NDAs with a number of cities. I will say though, the NDAs prevent the cities from disclosing some of the internal details from Amazon, but it does not dis- prevent the cities from disclosing what they're offering. And so, um, I think a lot of cities are kind of hiding behind that. I, I had one. Um, one city official tell me, you know, why would I disclose anything? This is a competitive bid. I don't want my, my, my competitors to know anything more than, you know, possible. I want all the home court advantage I could have. That said, if we're talking about public tax incentives, as a journalist, I would argue that taxpayers have a right to know what is being offered and negotiated. Um, So we actually haven't seen the data in terms of tax incentives and things like that that you might expect would come along with this. There's been some that have been public, but um, a lot of the cities that are seen as kind of top contenders actually have been quite quiet um, in terms of the details and nitty gritty. Uh, You see, we have seen details about what types of of land places are offering and uh, what their kind of general pitch is, you know, and how they're trying to respond to Amazon's desire to have a strong workforce, you know, connected with transit, strong airport connections, strong university connections. And then there's all the stunts, and there's no way, like, you know, it, it's, <laughs> some are quite clever, and everyone's trying to get their little slice of uh, PR out of it. So we've got to give credit where credit's
1: due. <laughs> well, speaking of slices of PR, I think Amazon's taken the whole pie with yeah. this oh, HQ2 yes. process. Yeah. <laughs> where do things go from here, Karen?
4: Sure. So they, um, the only uh, kind of official public detail is that next year they'll make a decision. That's all we know. Um, Everyone I talk to seems to expect them to uh, do a kind of a second round of this, where they would narrow it down to a couple cities, three, four, five, something like that, and really do in-depth visits and in-depth explorations there. So if they do that, we'll see. Um, I, I think it would make sense. It doesn't mean they always do things the way people expect them to do it. Um, but something that someone commented to me that I found pretty striking was they're supposed to make their decision the next year and then in theory the following year occupy 500,000 square feet of land, I mean, of office space. So once they make their decision, it sounds like they plan on moving extremely quickly. And so that is, again, something that could very quickly transform uh, a a city or a neighborhood in in just a matter of years from now. Um, And so one of the things I think whoever gets it should be thinking about is how do you from the beginning begin mitigating some of the challenges that we've seen in seattle the things about transit and traffic and housing prices because those are there's no way that's not going to come basically that's like almost a given and so i think the trick is how do you deal with it initially and i'd be curious if amazon deals with it initially only recently have they become involved with um things like they just the past year maybe have done some significant donations related to homelessness in Seattle, for example. Um, But maybe they could become more active from the beginning in their second home.
1: All right. Bloomberg's Karen Weiss, thank you so much uh, for your expertise on this and your view from Seattle. We appreciate it. Sure. Coming up next, we'll talk with the County Executive of St. Louis County, Steve Stanger, maybe answer some of those questions up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX.
2: Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX.
1: Welcome back in, and let's continue our conversation about Amazon HQ2, the scramble across the country. Joining us right now is the county executive of St. Louis County, Steve Stanger. And Steve, is it a relief to have this sign sealed, delivered? You've hit the send button. The packages have arrived in Seattle. It's in their hands.
0: Yes, it sure is. It very much is, yes.
3: As you've observed this process and participated in this process and led a lot of this, uh, what's it been like, and uh, is there a message you think that St. Louis is sending to Amazon?
0: Yeah, you know, I, we we put together what I would call a very unique, innovative, creative um, submission. And uh, I think the message that we're sending is we have the workforce, we have a location in the nation that is unique and that we're in the center of the nation and we have great rail we have great roads we have great rivers we have great public transportation and we really meet and exceed all of the items that were contained in the RFP as requirements so i mean i think we're sending an excellent message and uh you know through this process you know uh we really came together as a region and uh, it, it really started back with the Boeing XXX project. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. But um, the region came together for that. Then we came together again in NGA. And my feel of it was that we had even gotten better at it, at, at coming together, you know, for the NGA project. And then on this one, uh, not only did we come together, but we came together very quickly. Um, within hours of receiving notice that the RFP was out there from Amazon. We had a team assembled, and the team was moving down the field together very quickly and uh, very efficiently and in a well-coordinated fashion.
1: I'll ask the question I think some people might be thinking, and this plays into the regionalism you just talked about, this site being proposed is both sides of the Mississippi River Metro East and the North Riverfront and the Central Business District downtown. St. Clair County and the city, so how come we're talking to the St. Louis County executive on this?
0: Well, because I think all of us realize that we either rise together or we fall together. And, you know, I can tell you, I think that uh, all of our regional partners would have been behind St. Louis County just as much as we're behind St. Louis City or even St. Clair or St. Charles.
3: What? So you mentioned these other projects where people were coming together, Boeing, NGA, uh, now Amazon HQ2. Uh, and that the, the speed, efficiency, and quality has improved time and time again. Uh, so I can imagine when the, next, when the next opportunity arises, it's, you know, pick up the phone and everybody starts scrambling again. What has that meant to, like, shaping a, a, lo- a broader message and narrative for the region? Uh, not just the, the collaboration, but even the, the, the core messages that, that you've seen come out uh, that have been part of the pitch for, uh, for Amazon.
0: Well, I'll tell you what it does. It, it really allows us to, and it's, this is what I think you're what you're talking about. We have honed the skills necessary to become, you know, more of a cohesive region, and thereby a more impactful region. And I think that what it tells us about the future is that we are very much capable of doing these sorts of things we look forward. I know all of us expressed appreciation for one another as we move forward in this process. Uh, That is the the various regional leaders who were gathered around the table. And, um, you know, in order to move down the field together, you all have to have an appreciation of, um, you know, what the other parts of our region need and uh, what they're looking for and understand, you know, sort of where everyone's coming from and somehow find a way to, in some cases, set aside what, what you think you need and, um, and do something for the greater good. And, and that's, those, those are really the skills that I think are, 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 are honed as we, as we do projects like these. And it's really for the betterment of the entire region. And, you know, I think that the, uh, you know, sort of the face of the region that we demonstrated to really the whole nation um, is is a very good one. And it, and it shows that uh, we're all capable of acting for the greater good.
1: St. Louis County Executive Steve Stenger is with us on KMOX. And what does it mean, and what can you tell us is in the cover letters from Missouri Governor Greitens and, and to have the letter from Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner as well, especially after he was so vocal and so visible for the Chicago bid To have a cover letter from him, what did he say? What is Illinois offering, and what does that mean to have two states supporting the St. Louis bid? You
0: know, I can't talk too much about the specifics of of the offerings, but I can tell you that uh, on the Missouri side of the river, what we were what we're offering is, you know, of course, there's an incentive package that's involved at the state level and the local level, and we're offering a proposal that really meets the requirements, and I think both of the both of the letters. you know, point that out that that we do meet. You know, both of both of our both of our respective jurisdictions combined together, um, and to a, and to some extent separate, meet the requirements of 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 what Amazon is looking for. And you know, that public transportation piece of tying both of the jurisdictions together, you know, over the river through Metro, very important. Um, you know, the location of the various. Buildings and structures that are available downtown, as well as on you know the the other side of the river, um, all very important as well. And really, the letters just sort of point all that out, and, and um, you know it, it really express a cohesiveness of our entire region.
3: County Executive Stenger, what what does the region need to do? Let's let's uh let's play this out and assume we won, right? Which would be great. What does the region need to do? Uh, and to borrow De- uh, Jeff Bezos' terms, to be ready on day one? Like,
0: yeah, you, you know, to be ready on day one, um, much of what is contained in the proposal is already underway. So we really are ready on day one. With respect to workforce, you know, we have 44,000 graduates every year locally with certificates and degrees that, you know, um, that pertain in some way to what Amazon is looking for, and then you've got 11,000 of those that are hyper-particular to what uh, Amazon is looking for. So from a workforce perspective, the 50,000 employees would sort of be, you know, they would be, um, that that process would be drawn out over 7, 10 years. So you've got really plenty of time to to bring in the workforce that's necessary for the 50,000 jobs, and considering that we have so many graduates locally per year, and we can adjust adjust our training programs to to what I would say easily meet the needs of what Amazon is looking for.
1: And as we just heard so in that's
0: our sort of a day one type situation, you know, really workforce is very important. And with respect to the buildings and whatnot and the other structures, there would need to be some construction. But we already have some of the buildings, you know, already available. And there would need to be you know rehabbing of some of those structures or making additions as as Amazon would require. But but I, I can tell you that from a workforce force perspective there as well, we're ready to go
1: there as well. We, we just heard from a Bloomberg uh, reporter in Seattle about the inward migration that's also happened with the jobs there. So I imagine out of those 50,000 workers, many would move from outside the region, and many of those would live in St. Louis County, St. Charles County, Jefferson County, etc. We also sure. heard from the uh, Bloomberg News reporter about the NDAs that the cities have signed, Toronto for instance has posted their entire their entire bid online and she said the NDAs only apply to Amazon's proprietary information about what they're seeking and not necessarily to the local bids is there a chance that we'll see the local bids or is that a competitive since you're up against all these other cities you don't want to tip your hand
0: and we really don't want to tip our hand during the uh, you know during this process so we wouldn't want to do that but I will tell you that you know from various experts as well as um, other individuals who are very important to this to this matter um, we've heard the same we've heard the same thing they they really don't want to see too much disclosure um and and I think it's because it touches upon you know some of uh, some of the proprietary information that's involved in the various submissions but I will tell you from a from a competitive perspective I think we want to we want to keep this as close to the best as we can for right now as we as we compete with, you know, 50 other jurisdictions around the country.
3: So as a, before we let you go, just a, a, a question as it relates to this, this homework assignment. Uh, you talked about the collaboration and the regionalism. Uh, every group that comes together has a little bit of bumps along the way. What are some of the bumps that were smoothed out throughout this process?
0: You know, I think that, uh, you know, we read about some of them. There was an East-West Gateway meeting where, where there was um, you know some some discussion, but once again it was just discussion i wouldn 't even call it a bump. It was more of just uh, everyone feeling each other out and feeling the situation out and trying to understand the needs of uh, the various jurisdictions and what they were looking for and what they were trying to achieve um, you know through this process and At the end of the day, what everyone really was was really striving to achieve was something that was really for the region 's you know the region 's betterment. And there were, you know, individuals that were involved and various leaders who, you know, they left things on the table and, and moved forward with the, with the unified bid. And, and that takes, you know, some level of sacrifice, which is part of leadership. And um, everyone moved forward in a way that, you know, allowed us to make an excellent, an excellent submission. So I think the region should be really proud that everyone came together And I will tell you, from what I heard in the public, it was very much the same way. Everyone was pretty united behind this effort uh, from a public perspective as well.
1: Well, we did just hear, Steve, that uh, Reuters is reporting that St. Louis had the most social media mentions when it comes to HQ2, more than 1,300 over the last two weeks. Boston was next, and then Chicago was after that. So the grassroots strength has to be strong here.
0: That's exactly what I'm talking about I mean we we really came together as a community overall, and it just shows you that we have we have great people that live in this region, and uh, we are a great people and we want better lives for our children, for our grandchildren and for one another and I think what you're going to find with with if, if we're able to achieve this and um I think what you're going to find is that there will be a a real inclusiveness um there will be no one in our community left out uh, for the opportunities that this that this endeavor presents for all of us. And it's just another way that we can make our community
2: better.
3: Well, if uh, if Reuters said it went St. Louis, then Boston, then Chicago, that's exactly the same rankings of uh, best baseball cities, too. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> there you go. Makes sense. County Executive Steve Stengers, thank, thanks so much for spending some time with us today.
0: Hey, you got it. Thank you guys very much. And anytime, I'm always happy to come on, and you guys are great. Thank you very much.
1: And thank you for joining us this week for Nothing Impossible. We'll be back next week.